The reading today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's actually the whole chapter and that can be found on page uh, 1143 in the church Bibles in front of you. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written... What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught, uh, taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person within the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolish and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Scott. And uh, thanks to Ben, and thanks to Justin, and to Paul. I think Ben, Justin, or Scott would make great names for your little son. <laughs> but obviously it's up to you. <laughs> Let's pray and we'll get straight to work. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for um, these words to us from uh, the book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, Lord, we want to hear them, and we want to take them to heart, and we want to change in response to them, so that we can be more like Jesus. So do that in our lives this very day. Amen. Early to bed... And early to rise makes a man or a woman healthy, wealthy, and wise. Healthy, wealthy, and wise. Uh, that's what Benjamin Franklin, who was one of the founding fathers of the U.S., said in the 1730s. Then again, in 1928, Carl Sandburg, who was a Pulitzer Prize-winning author, he counted that, and he said, early to bed and early to rise means you never meet any prominent people. But then again, none of us have heard of Carl Sandburg, have we? So let's start again. If you had to choose two out of the three, healthy, wealthy, and wise, which two would you pick? 
I reckon most of us would pick healthy and wealthy, and wisdom would come as a distant third. That would be my guess. But still, none of us likes to be thought of as foolish, do we? None of us want to be considered idiots. Not now, certainly. And you think about um, just education and the prominence that it has in our society and in our families, and you think, wow, we devote a lot of time and energy and effort and hopes in educating ourselves and in educating our children. Like somebody said to me, that's all we talk about as adults. We talk about renovating our houses and educating our kids. Renovate and educate, that's all we do. And maybe the hope is that by renovating, we'll make ourselves happy. I wonder what hope we have, that's kind of the underlying hope of our education and the amount of time, money, effort, etc. that goes into education. Not knocking at all, but I wonder if part of the reason we invest so much in it is that we hope to be wise, to pick up wisdom along the way, or at least not to be thought of as an idiot or a moron or a fool, because no one likes to be thought of as foolish, not now, nor back in the days when uh, 1 Corinthians was written either, because back then wisdom, and particularly we're thinking that branch of Greek philosophical wisdom with its kind of flourishing speech and argument, well, that was esteemed. You wanted to be thought of as wise like that. You hated to be thought of as a fool, except that Christians were thought of as foolish people. Got a, uh, a cartoon or an inscription right here that you might have seen before. Not exactly Spider-Man, I realise, but they reckon that this little graffiti cartoon, which was inscribed in like a plaster wall, dates from the early 2nd century. M- may actually be the oldest picture that we have of Jesus. Though it's not really a picture of Jesus at all, is it? Because scratched into the plaster is a donkey-headed man on a cross. And next to him is a bloke with his arm raised who's being made fun of. And that kind of Greek caption that's scrawled underneath is translated as, Alexamenos worships his God. Uh, Somebody's making a little cartoon joke about Alexamenos. He's a Christian guy who worships a man who's dead on a cross. In other words, the message of the cross appears so foolish, you may as well worship a donkey. It's that silly an idea. And you see, that's what it was like to be a Christian back then. People thought they were foolish, even moronic. And that's what many people think we're like today. Foolish people with a foolish message on the wrong side of history, unsophisticated, intellectually impoverished. Uh, You might not be a Christian here this morning, and you might be thinking, yeah, that is actually what I think of Christians. But today we're just going to think through whether that's wholly correct. Uh, What is wisdom really? Can you be both wise and a Christian at the same time, even if we prefer to be healthy and wealthy? And what any of this has got to do with the Holy Spirit. So there's no small task ahead of us. We are now uh, well into our series on 1 Corinthians. Uh, We've called it Imperfect Church, and we've decided to hit up this New Testament letter of 1 Corinthians because it addresses themes and issues and a cultural context so similar to our own in 21st century Manly. And we've already seen how the Corinthian church kind of divided over which preacher and leader they preferred rather than uniting over the gospel of Jesus. We've heard that though the message of the cross seems weak, it is the power of God for salvation. But today we're going to look at the question of the church and wisdom and the spirit and see how they're all connected. It's no small task indeed, so let's get straight to work. The first point today is that the gospel is God's hidden message of wisdom. 
The message of, cro- of the cross is not foolish. It's wisdom. It's God's wisdom. The gospel which focuses on the death of Jesus for the sake of sinners is God's secret message for mature, genuinely spiritual people. That's the first thing. So let's pick it up in uh, chapter 2, verses 6 and following, where the Apostle Paul says, We do. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but it's not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No. We declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Now we can see that the kind of the wisdom that Paul and the other apostles and other Christians for that matter declare is the gospel because he's still talking about the message of the cross from chapter 1 verse 18. In chapter 2 verse 2 he references there, you can see it in your Bibles, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Okay, he's still talking about Alexamenos worshipping his God. Paul's still on about the gospel when he talks about this message of wisdom among the mature. When he talks about declaring God's wisdom and the mystery that's been hidden. It is the gospel and it is wisdom, just not obviously to human eyes. See, if you want obvious wisdom or human wisdom, then you you would go no further than the Dalai Lama. Got a picture of him here. He looks like a really happy guy to me, don't you think? He's uh, considered to be one of the wisest people in the world. And for good reason. He's the head of Tibetan Buddhism. So he heads up a major world religion that's both wise and sort of spiritual. You know the Dalai Lama, it's often translated as spiritual guru. So that sounds wise. He wears a lot of orange, which only wise people can get away with. Shaved head, glasses, sandals, more clear indications that he's wise. He can pack out stadiums. You know, thousands of people pay good money to hear him speak, to hear his wisdom. And if you're not convinced, he was in this TV commercial where he was driving a Mercedes through the desert. And he was in a convoy, and in this convoy, all the other cars were going straight, and he was swerving wildly across the road. And when the convoy arrived at their destination, all the other drivers wanted to know why he was swerving so violently. And the commercial ends by them all looking at the front grille of his Mercedes, which didn't have a single mosquito on it when all the other cars are covered with dead insects. You see, he is so wise, right? He can traverse the desert without hurting a mosquito. Now, the gospel of Jesus Christ crucified is a message of wisdom, but it's not a message that's obvious. Obviously wisdom, uh, or worldly wisdom, which is what the Corinthian Christians wanted. It's a message of God's secret wisdom, a message that's been hidden for a long time, but which has now been revealed. And it's hidden in the sense that though God conceived this gospel, this good news concerning his son, Jesus, this great plan of salvation from before the beginning of the world, it only came to light, didn't it, when Jesus entered the world. Now, it's not like the gospel was God's plan B, and it took him all the time from when sin entered the world up to the virgin birth before he could figure it out. It was always the plan, verse 7 says. God destined it for our glory before time began, but it was hidden in the sense that it was mysterious until the coming of Jesus. So it's hidden, but it's also wise. I mean, it really is wise because it details the way by which wretched human sinners such as ourselves can be restored back into relationship with the God we have so grievously offended. 
It's a message of wisdom because it grants to people like you and I the righteousness of Jesus. That is, instead of being treated as our sins deserve, we are treated as though we have Christ's perfection. We're declared not guilty before God. We are redeemed or set free from our slavery to sin and death and the devil by the payment of a price that was nothing short of the death of his perfect son, the Lord Jesus. We are considered holy, set apart for God's service, and in the process of being made increasingly Christ-like by his ongoing work in our lives. And all that is only possible, in fact, it is possible in no other way than through the gospel, the message of Christ crucified, the message of the cross. And people might think that we are donkeys or that we worship donkeys, but you show me something else that can do all that for people like us. And that's why the Apostle Paul kind of waxes lyrical there in verse 9. He's quoting Isaiah 65. He says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has in store for those who love him. My goodness, it is good. And it's wise, all right, man. You don't have to worry about that. But there's a second question for us today. And the second question for us is, great, Like, but how do I access that wisdom? I mean, the gospel, as I've just described it, enthusiastically sounds wonderful. How do I access it? What is the way in? Right? It's the kind of obvious follow-up question. But again, the answer is not an obvious answer because in our day, if you want to access wisdom, you'd be tempted to buy tickets to hear the Dalai Lama speak in a packed-out stadium. You might buy a self-help book, subscribe to a blog. You might study hard at school or university. In our day, that's how you would try to access wisdom. And it is worth us thinking whether it delivers on all its hopes that we put on it. But in the Apostle Paul's day, the the time of the Corinthians, you might rather learn Greek philosophy. You might study uh, persuasive speech as the Corinthians were attracted to. But here's the thing. If you attempt to access this wisdom, the wisdom of the gospel, in any of those ways, you'll be sadly disappointed. Because the gospel, God's mysterious wisdom, is hidden in a second sense. It's not only hidden in the sense that God's plan of salvation was not revealed for thousands of years until the coming of Christ. It's hidden in the sense that it's not accessed via normal, obvious, worldly human wisdom. Which is really good for us. Especially if you haven't been to university or finished school or have lots of influence or power or money. The second point for today is that God has revealed this gospel to us by his spirit. Have a look in your Bibles, chapter 2, verse 1. The Apostle Paul said, He didn't come to the Corinthians with eloquence, with human wisdom. He didn't preach with persuasive forms of speech, the best human public speaking skills imaginable. He didn't want to rely on human wisdom, and he knew the gospel isn't accessed by human wisdom. It wasn't understood by the rulers of the age, those who were influential, powerful, wealthy, and erudite by worldly standards. It was hidden from them, and the real proof was that they were the ones who killed Jesus, on whom the wisdom is all about. And, you know, it remains hidden to the rulers of this age, those who decide what's what, unless they lay aside worldly power and influence when it comes to the things of God. And the gospel is hidden 
from those who set the trends of culture, those who shape the thoughts of society, those who decide what ought to be aspired to in our world, unless they too lay aside all that in humility at the feet of God, remains hidden to all those who buy into the wisdom of the world and who play by the rules of our society, just as it was hidden from the rulers of the age who put Jesus to death, not realizing that he was at the very center of God's great plan and good news for the world. Hidden, but wonderfully, he has revealed this glorious wisdom to us. And he says he's done it via his Holy Spirit. Verse 9 says, It is inconceivable all the good things that God has prepared for those who love him. But if we're Christians, we now understand them and know them. Only through his Spirit. We understand forgiveness. Don't you think our world needs more forgiveness? We enter into relationship with our maker. We discover justice and healing and broken things being fixed and made right. It comes from Jesus. It's for our benefit and glory. It remains hidden and inaccessible to the wisdom of the world, but it's revealed to us by his spirit. Spiritual wisdom, spiritual truth is being expressed in spiritual words. And by human standards, it may appear foolish, just as the Corinthians were worried it did for believing it, as Paul did for preaching it, as we might for claiming it today, but it is God's secret message of spiritual wisdom and it would be a great fault of me to spend all this time talking about it without asking the very pointed question, do you know it? Do you know this message of wisdom that centers on the death of the Lord Jesus for us? And if you do, do you know that we only get it Because God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Follow along in verses 10 to 12. These are the things, all the good things the gospel gives to us. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. No one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we've received is not the spirit of the world, no, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. I reckon, uh, I reckon I'm losing my children. Not physically, so you know, don't worry about it. Don't need a search party. But um, if you've had children or you can remember back to when you were a child, you know that when they're little, they just want to be with you all the time. It's very flattering. It's really nice. Uh, you remember when you come home from being out too late and they've fallen asleep in the back of the car and you pick them up to take them to bed and they kind of... Uh, hold on to you like a baby koala. You remember that? One of the best feelings in life, right? But um, mine are too big for that now. And uh, even the smallest one, he's the only one that wants to hold my hand anymore. And that won't last for too much longer. It's really sad. And uh, we used to have this trampoline at our old place and we'd bounce up and down till we were kind of hot and sweaty and tired. And then we'd just fall back and lie back on the warm black mat and look up at the clouds and uh, try to work out what the clouds looked like. And that one looks like a puppy, because they all look like puppies, don't they? It's true. It looks like a puppy. That one looks like a dolphin. (laughs) That one looks like your fat head, Dad. (laughs) Okay. And then if I was really lucky, you know, they might tell me something that was going on inside of them. It might be something silly. But every now and again, they would tell me something that they were really quite worried about. 
or maybe even somebody that they liked. And unless they told me, I would have no other way of knowing the deep things of their hearts and the thoughts of their minds. I couldn't work it out any other way. So those times were very, very special. And now I'm just learning to interpret their grunts instead. (laughs) You know the truth is, we can't think our way up to God. The only way we'll know his thoughts and him, really, is if he reveals them to us. And he has done that by his spirit. It's the Holy Spirit whom Jesus promised to give to Christians who searches the deep things and thoughts of God. And without him searching and then sharing the deep things and thoughts of God, we would have no clue because we're not going to find out about God via trial and error, by accident, by speculation, by trying to work it out mathematically, but only by the Spirit because only the Spirit knows the thoughts of God and reveals those thoughts and plans to us. I mean, the thoughts of God would just be so way beyond us, except it says in verse 12, we've received that same spirit from God to help us understand what he has so freely given us. And so when Paul and the other apostles received the spirit from God, who taught them about all the good things we have in Christ Jesus, freedom, forgiveness, right standing before God, fellowship with other believers, access into the very thoughts of God, even the mind of Christ, it's exactly what he preached. And brothers and sisters, that's exactly what we must believe. Paul preached the message of Christ crucified, verse 13, not with words of human wisdom, like the Corinthians thought were important, but with spiritual words expressing spiritual truths. And fortunately, what they spoke, they also wrote down so that people like you and I can hear those same spiritual words expressing the same spiritual truths of the gospel, God's great wisdom for people who love him who cannot understand God's wisdom in the gospel unless we have God's spirit as well. So you might be thinking, well, great, but what difference does all this make in my life? You know, I think it actually means that to be spiritual and to be wise, pretty much the same thing. Because the wise person is the one who by the spirit of God receives the gospel of God. His secret message of wisdom. And if you want to be spiritual, the thing that makes the difference is to have God's spirit within you. And the sign of that is whether you accept the good news about Jesus into the deep wellsprings of your soul. You don't have to shave your head, wear orange. (laughs) What a relief, eh? Or wear glasses or sandals or any of that. We don't have to swerve to avoid hitting mosquitoes. We don't even have to listen to somebody who can do all that. We don't need to do a PhD, get an MBA, study Greek philosophy, follow blogs, or read self-help books. You know what? Here's the thing. You can be the smartest person alive and not get the gospel if you don't have God's spirit. And you can fail all of your exams and be truly wise because by the spirit, you can know God and you can have life. I reckon um, in our modern age, it is really important, isn't it, to get clued up on how to speak about the gospel, the good news about Jesus, creatively, articulately, positively, thoughtfully, respectfully. And uh, fortunately, there's a a great array of really world-class thinkers and apologists who can help us. People like Dr. Tim Keller from the States or Dr. John Lennox from England or closer to home, we have 
you know, centre of public Christianity where one of our own brothers and members of St. Matthew, Simon Smart, writes and directs for them. And amazing work, you know, because they really help us engage with our secular society in ways that are creative and respectful and thoughtful and articulate. And that really helps us to not ourselves get in the way of the gospel and it helps remove obstacles to belief. Even as we do that, we need to remember that our cleverness... Even our thoughtfulness is not the gateway to spirituality. Even that is not the gateway to getting the gospel of Jesus. Very, very humbling, isn't it? Even the smartest people in the world may not get it. You can rule the world and not get it. The rulers in Jesus' age were the ones who organized his death. A spiritual person at its most basic is somebody who understands the gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified And he understands it by the Spirit of God. A wise person is the one who builds her life and future on the wisdom about Jesus. A spiritual person is the one who knows some of the good things that God has in store for them because God's revealed it by his Spirit. You see, being spiritual is intimately connected with the wisdom of wholehearted belief in the gospel about Jesus, which only the Spirit can reveal. That means you can be spiritual and feel very ordinary. You can be spiritual and look very ordinary. You can be spiritual and in one sense have a very ordinary life and yet extraordinarily, says verse 16, you can have the mind of Christ. Have a think about that for a bit. A couple of other things as uh, we think beyond ourselves. I think what this means is that at the very top of the list of things we ought to be doing with our time and our energy is praying that God would reveal the gospel by his spirit to our unbelieving friends, family, workmates, teammates, teachers, city, community and world. If people only understand the good news about the death of Jesus through the revealing work of the spirit, that's got to be something that fills our prayers, right? We want to be praying that the same spirit who was given to us that we might understand what God has in store for us might be given to others that they might understand it too. And because people cannot access the gospel without the spirit, we can't get upset if they don't understand it at one level. We can't get too upset when they think that we're stupid. I mean, we just can't take that personally. What is absolutely certain is that not everyone will understand the death of Jesus as good news. Verse 14 says the person without the Spirit cannot and does not accept the good news about Jesus. It's something that's spiritually discerned. Not everyone's going to get it. In other words, some of them will criticize and mock us. And verse 15 says you don't need to worry about that criticism Because the judgment or the assessment, the evaluation or the criticism of those without the Spirit, it just doesn't have any weight upon those who do have the Spirit. Some folks can't get it. So they can't judge you correctly when you speak of it. And that's okay, it really is. I want to finish uh, with this man, Andrew Chan. One of the so-called ringleaders of the Bali Nine, currently on death row in Kerabakan prison in uh, Indonesia. And it seems he will be executed very soon. I was reading a story of him this week. He read the Bible four times in prison, four times cover to cover. It was only when he was sentenced to death that he understood that God had set him free from the inside out and given him life. 
In other words, he'd read the Bible four times. It was only after the fourth time that he was able to spiritually discern the gospel by the power of the Spirit of God. Friends, there is no more wise a message than the gospel of Christ crucified. And you look at this man and you think, he does not seem very wise. But to this day, there is no wiser person than the one who by the Spirit of God understands what God has done for us in the death of his son Jesus. So I'm going to invite you to pray with me now to that same God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we do recognize that your gospel is a message of wisdom that is hidden in various ways. And we recognize that it is now revealed in the coming of Jesus and it's accessed only by your spirit that you have given to those who love you. Your spirit who searches your thoughts and minds and then reveals them to us. So we give you thanks for that, Lord. We pray that you would give your spirit to many of our friends, family, teammates, workmates, uh, people who live in our suburb and our city, that they too may come to know some of the good things you have in store for us. Uh, and Lord, I pray that you might refresh our hearts and our spirits with this news, especially when we, we uh, suffer criticism or mocking, that you would be reminding us that we have this secret wisdom and we have no one other than your Holy Spirit within us to understand it. So we pray these things and give you thanks for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Going to be uh, singing our final song. It's our collection song. Uh, it's a good chance for you to put those Connect cards in if you have them or alternatively gifts if you're one of our regular members.